Welcome to the Carry On Podcast. This is your host, Lindsay Rowland. Today we have a fan favorite. Uh, we have Greg Gibson. Greg Gibson is president and co-founder of United Patriot Party. Welcome, Greg. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Lindsay. So let's you play. are an awesome lady. You are an awesome lady. I appreciate getting any time that I get to hang out with you. Thank you so much. Oh, that is so sweet. I do want to go. I And I'm, thank you for your time on the show. I do want to go into later how we do know each other. But um, first off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background um, and then how you got involved and how you ended up becoming the president and co-founder of United Patriot Party? Absolutely. Um, well, again, my name is Greg Gibson. I'm in uh, North Carolina, uh, sort of cent- the central region of North Carolina. Um, always been interested in politics, but uh, after watching the, the events unfold on, uh, the, on election night of 2020, um, I got much more dialed into um, how corrupt the system really is. Um, we watched an election that we we felt should have went one way, but it went, went the other way. That's not uncommon. The amount of gap that it was said to go was far and away more than what could have possibly been. So in that case, we're realizing that there was a considerable election fraud. Now, apart from who your, your personal preferences on Donald Trump. I personally don't think he's a nice guy. I think he did a good job as president. But at the end of the day, sometimes you just lose elections. Your guy loses. And I understand that. But at the end of the day, um, you, in, you, you, you regroup, you, you learn from your mistakes, and you move forward. You do better next time. But if we don't have an election system that we can trust, um, well, there, there's no chance of moving forward. Now, with that being said, um, we began putting together the United Patriot Party. Uh, it's a place for um, many different groups that do many different uh, uh, activities to kind of fall under one umbrella, under one roof, and all work together to make sure that we know where each other uh, stand, what each other is doing, so that we can uh, we can work together and move farther faster. Once I got personally involved, much more involved in in the political spectrum, you start realizing just how many areas of, of problems we really do have, not just in the election system, but also in the uh, the border security systems uh, that, that we should have in place by now, but we've been, you know, asking for for 40 years that have not shown up. Um, we've got a, honestly, a corrupted um, and illegal uh, taxation system. We're paying about 35%, maybe almost 40% more in taxes now today uh, than we were the day that we pushed the T into the harbor. Um We've got a privatized system for uh, taxation uh, with the strong arm of a federal system, the IRS, to collect monies for them. That's a big, a big woolly talk to go into. But to correct the current taxation system is a necessity. Uh, And you start realizing that We've been asking for term limits. We've been asking for balanced budget amendments. We've been asking for a lot of things for a long time. And we started thinking, well, number one, we want to make sure that not only do we demand those things be corrected, but that we put in in place the right people to correct them and that that will follow through and and make sure that those new systems operate uh, at 100% capacity. So... We've also gotten into this year, especially coming up on the midterms, a lot more of grassroots candidates backing, uh, making sure that these people get an opportunity to speak out, that they get their message across, uh, because the mainstream media doesn't want them. The establishment doesn't want them, be it Republican or Democrat. They don't want them. And we want to make sure that they have an opportunity to get their message out to the people. So... On one hand, we're working on, and and you'll have to pardon this this lingo. I don't mean this. I want to preface it with a 
as much as I possibly can with revolutionary uh, concepts, uh, as in revision of these various systems. But not only do we want to work on that side of it, but we also want to make sure that the continuation of that into the future, uh, that we never go back down the same road again. So that's what kind of got me into the spectrum that I'm in right now, as far as dealing with um, the rallies, the protests, as well as the uh, the new and upcoming candidates that are, you know, they're they're new. They, they're new to the political world in general, nurses, doctors, regular average people who have run households uh, for years on a budget, and they have the ability to see our nation in the same view, uh, from the same viewpoint, that you can't spend more than you make. So I, I've enjoyed myself getting to know these folks, uh, and at the same time, it's, it's, it's sort of sickening to see just how uh, corrupted every level of government is. I, I, that's sort of rambling on, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and stop right there. No, you go ahead and ramble. Please continue on. Tell me about the corrupt systems, <laughs> please. <laughs> well, we, we look at the corrupt systems. Um, I, I'll throw a name out, uh, uh, Seth Cashel. Uh, he operates a lot, uh, well, all over the country, but a lot right here in North Carolina. Uh, I've met Mr. Cashel. He's probably, he, he knows the numbers on the election from 2020 probably better than anybody else I've ever met. With that being said, um, he goes through in any of his lectures and he can show the, the points district by district in most cases that it would be a statistical, a literal impossibility for the elections to have the turnouts that they did and to have the results that they did. Uh, in other words, more people voting than than registered voters in a district. Um, you know, North Carolina was was such a weird anomaly. Uh, we voted for a Republican president, a Republican uh, uh, lieutenant governor, Mark Robinson, and somehow or the other, we voted for a Democrat governor, Roy Cooper. And Mr. Cooper is pretty much hated by everybody, left and right. But somehow, he managed to eke out enough votes to stay in office. Again, is it impossible? Absolutely not. You know, in a, in a, a, war, a, in a, a nation of 365 million people, yeah, there's possibilities. But was it likely that a Republican president was elected, a Republican lieutenant governor, and a Democrat governor? a very unlikely event happened there. And it goes from not just from the presidency, that's which, which is what most of us got focused on. But I went, when you go, go through the, the, the ballot down election of 2020, you start seeing that uh, county commissioners, um, school boards, all of these had such corruption uh, in and around them that you simply can't trust the election process. So it's not that, I, I hope that people can start figuring out, this is not about Donald Trump. This is not about uh, whether or not Trump won or lost. It's about whether or not we can trust the election as a whole. Because if we can't trust the election as a whole, what good does it do to vote for anybody? Uh, if the establishment is going to just continue to pick their own winners, uh, you and I are no longer necessary, Lindsay. Uh, and there's no sense in you running for anything. There's no sense in me running for anything because those those are hand-picked spots now. Um, and it's it's disheartening as an American that, you know, as the quote-unquote the freest nation in the world, we should have the most trustworthy election system, and we simply don't. You know, Facebook can run a poll and in an hour's time, poll millions of people, right? And, and with, with really 100% accuracy. But I'm to believe that the United States election system can't manage to count votes, you know, in, in, in four weeks. Come on, man. That's, that's insanity. 
That's insanity. And, and it's disgusting to believe uh, that that our our representatives actually believe us to be so stupid. Um, and Lindsay, you know that uh, we have a magic word for them now. We call them the mirror party. Uh, both the Republicans and the Democrats, they mirror each other. If you see one candidate on TV, unless he says, I'm a Democrat or a Republican, you can't tell the difference. He's got the, you know, the $500 smile, a $1,000 haircut. He's got a $1,500 suit on. He's got a million-dollar twinkle in his eye, and he looks at you and he says, vote for me because I'm not the other guy. And you don't know what he stands for. You just know that he's not the other guy. Well, a question we have is, got to find. Yes, go ahead. go ahead. Well, I want to interject this question here because you you said you talk about elections and how they were not fair, and I obviously don't. I agree with you. That I don't think that they're fair, but I hear people say now, like, "Oh, I'm not going to vote," or "I don't trust the, the system." So, how from between now and then are we going to fix that? Because I don't think when I hear people say, "Oh, I'm just not going to vote," or "I don't trust," like that's not going to help us either. So, where do you look at us going to? How are we going to improve this, and how are we going to make it better so that we do get voters out again? I believe that we've got a simple a simple task ahead of us. Number one. Yes, we do need to turn out for the polls. We need to turn out. But this this fall needs to look like something that the world has never seen before. So when you turn out to the poll, I'm encouraging everybody, when you go to vote, go early. Go as early as you can. Vote at the poll. When you go vote, step back outside and then plan on, on staying there the remainder of the day. Bring a snack. Bring a picnic. Bring your family, stay at the poll, because what we watched, uh, you know, as far as trucks coming in later in the night and, and, you know, suitcases being brought out from under tables, that can never happen again. We can never allow that to happen in this nation again. Uh, So stay at the polls. Volunteer to be a poll worker or, or a poll watcher, I'm sorry. Volunteer now. Get ahead of it. Be ready. Be on the books to be a poll watcher. And going into this election cycle, we need to make sure that we we not only uh, sign up to volunteer for these positions, but that we then demand and that we have the backup to provide uh, security for those poll workers. We we saw we all saw the stories last year where the poll workers, the poll watchers, were booted out. Right, they were kicked out of the polls. You know, one o'clock in the morning, poll watchers were just told you have to leave or they separated them by 30 feet and then put plastic or paper up over the over the windows. There was some really, really weird stuff that went on. And if poll watchers then at that point say, no, you are doing something that is extremely illegal, then at that point, those poll watchers need to have not just the authority which they do, but the ability, and if they've got all of the backup necessary, they have the ability to stop that, that pole right in its tracks and say, no, we, we, we will bring in federal troops if need be to count these, these ballots, but this will not continue. I, going into 2022, we recognize that the rhetoric needed to be stepped up just a little bit. I, I, I by no means am inciting violence. Absolutely, positively not. But at the same time, we need to fulfill our duties as Americans to protect the systems that we do have in place. And we are always concerned with the, the look of um, criminality. We don't want to look like the bad guys. Meanwhile, the bad guys use that to keep us pushed to the side, to keep us, you know, relegated, uh, you know, into, into the corners. Well, sometimes it's time, you know, you, with any bully, you have to push back. And right now I'm afraid that we are dealing with a bully. Uh, we've, and we don't, we may or may not even have time to talk about the, the things that happened in this, uh, re- the passage of this recent uh, omnibus spending bill. But we're dealing with a bully. And the bully, you know, sometimes you have to push back and say, no, this is the line. You will not cross it. Um, 
we have to get involved. We have to get everybody involved. You know, theoretically, there's 74 million of us right now uh, as Republican slash conservative. And we have to understand that we're playing a new game now. We're not playing conservatives and liberals, which is a lot of what, you know, I, you and I hear it all the time, the the, the word lib, libtard and, and all. The name calling sounds cute on the Internet, but in all reality, we are playing a brand new game, uh, a game of patriots and traitors. There are now but two parties, traitors and patriots. I count myself uh, with the with the with the former because I trust it to be the stronger party. The Patriot Party is the stronger party. We are no longer playing Republicans and Democrats. I won't personally vote for someone down ballot because they have an R beside their name any any longer. I won't do it uh, if I don't know them and I don't know their standpoint. I'm not voting for them. Because if the establishment put them forward, it's almost a guarantee that I can't trust them. So getting involved, staying involved, getting engaged, and staying in the in, in the polls or around the polls so that they know we can't just do the silly stuff that we did before. Um, we need to be pushing our politicians right now. You know, they're, they're, they're playing with Ukraine. They're playing with Russia. They're playing with China. Um, they're playing uh, liberal and conservative. They're playing Republican and Democrat. And the number one thing that separated this nation, one of the biggest dividing points in American history was the 2020 election. And not one single time has anybody said, there's a simple fix. Fix the election program or the election system so that we can trust it. And once that's resolved, then all of this, uh, all of these other problems fall to the wayside. Our politicians, our politicians as a whole, the mirror party, want a screwed up election system because both are benefiting from it. Both sides benefit from a corrupted election system. So being involved, I can't say it enough, get involved. Know who you're voting for learn who they are, go out to their events, stand up. And, and, and I, if you get a chance, ask them questions. Most of the ones that I've met so far, they love meeting people and they love talking to people. So we've got to get those people, uh, you know, we've got to make them understand that not only are we voting for you because you are a, uh, you know, you're a grassroots conservative, you are a patriot, but they also need to understand that they answer to the people. And that if they don't do what they said they, they're going to do once they're in office, we know where they live. And we're going we're gonna to forcibly remove them from office. We're giving them our, our trust. And our trust has been broken so, so often that we, we, consider it a, we consider it a requirement of our politicians to break our trust. No more. No more. It can't happen anymore. We should expect our, our politicians, yes, to make mistakes, yes, to have bad days, but we should be able to trust them to, to stand on the principles that, that, that got them elected at least. So that's involvement uh, in the, the political spectrum as a whole, involvement in the election system as a whole. It's, it's absolutely time that we all put our, our uh, you know, the, 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 the future of our nation now rests on on whether or not we can elect people or not. If there's not a, 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 a resilient and a, and a solid election system, then we don't have a democracy. If we don't have a democracy, we don't have a republic. We don't have a, a nation based on the rule of law any longer. It all hinges on the will of the people being heard. That's what this whole nation was set up for. So if we abandon that now, then the nation as it sits now is gone forever because we will never recover. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, next question. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's No, I, I agree with you on all of those things. And I do, it's very concerning. Um, but I do want to move on to um, tell me about when you do these rallies. So, so we'll, do you want to tell everybody how we met or do you want me to tell everybody how we met? Cause I'm not even sure. You tell, tell them how we met. 
Well, so I think we met because um, I think you reached out to me because I was doing a little bit of lobbying for Lieutenant Colonel Schaller. And then I think you wanted, mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm wrong a lot. Um, and then you wanted him to speak at the rally. And he was unable to mm-hmm. because um, he was on a gag order, which I think he just came off of maybe the beginning or middle of January. And so I was, to some degree, I was a little bit of his mouthpiece. And so I said, well, hey, because we're going to, you know, you were doing a rally in D.C. And you were like, and I I jumped on the opportunity and I was like, hey, I'll come speak because I got a lot to say. And I knew that um, Schaller and mine, um, our views kind of lined up um, to some degree. And so then you let me um, speak at the rally. But can we talk about that rally, the planning behind it and how um, you I mean, obviously, D.C. is a hub to have a rally at. And you have uh, I want to talk about the one that you have coming up. But can you talk about the planning these rallies and the work that goes into them and um, other chapters that you have in the United States that kind of like work with you and just the whole kind of process of having a rally? Well, to break it down, we, we've got, um, when we went into 22 this year, uh, coming out of last year, it was literally, uh, let me back all the way up to the start. When it, when it first started, it was me and a buddy, uh, we would pick a place, we would work out permits, make phone calls, do all the stuff. Uh, it had to be very, very cheap, uh, you know, parks, you know, public parks, city parks, things like that. And, we literally planned on building an army, uh, an army of patriots. We just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that, uh, you know, look, there, there's a better program out there. We, we, need, we know that we need resolution on uh, our problems now, but we need to focus on the future at the same time, simultaneously. So as we pushed out uh, those rallies, we were basically planning them maybe a month in advance. And finally, we got to where we could plan them maybe a couple of months out. And we were looking for people that would, uh, when they would come and speak, they would bring something of benefit. Now, last year, a considerable amount of that was spent uh, talking about the coronavirus, uh, the mandates, and and various things. Uh, Then going into this year, uh, we... We've sort of moved away from that. Now, now we have built a team. Uh, we have built a, a, a team that handles sort of the logistics of the rallies themselves. Uh, we've bought the sound equipment. We've done the, you know, various things to, to be ready in advance so that when we plan the rallies this year, they're planned out right around six months in advance. Um, it takes an extreme amount of talent for our people to uh, talk to city planners, to talk to city managers, to talk to parks and rec rec people, to work out these these permits. Once we do that, then we start getting the planning in advance for for the speakers to come on board. of course, this year we we looked at a lot of a lot of different things as far as save you know the save the children rally which is coming up on the twenty sixth of this month. Oh, are you still there? Oh yeah, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, 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 the screen flashed. I'm sorry. Um, we we started putting those those folks in uh, in place uh, to speak. And we've got a couple of different style rallies coming up over the next few months. The primary purpose is to have can. Greg. Not, 
All right. Well, um, the primary purpose of these rallies is to put people in front of, to put grassroots candidates in front of the people that need to hear them, the voters. Um, they're not going to get newspaper time. They're not going to get TV time. They're not going to get, uh, you know, all the freebies that the establishment provides. Uh, Lindsey Graham, I think, came out in, yeah, the first of last year, around February, March, and he said uh, specifically, we are not going to allow these grassroots candidates uh, to come up. And, you know, if, in other words, if it's not somebody we want, they're not going to make it. So the only way that we get these people forward is to to put them forward. So when we when we establish a a, a a rally in an area, it's really around can we get how many candidates can we get into place? How many people can we put into an area so that they can speak? We have audio and visual set up so that when when they do the rally and they get their message out, we can record it. And we can give them raw audio and raw video so that they can edit it however they want to want to do so. They can create their own commercials. They can create their own sound bites. Um, that way, they've got really free uh, free media coverage, and it's media coverage that they have a hundred percent access to. Now, you had mentioned DC. Just to give you guys a, an idea of what it's like to get a permit in DC, when when we apply, applied for the permit, it, I, I don't know how to say this. It was easy, but it was really, really hard. They gave us the permit, but once you apply for the permit, they actually schedule you with, for a, uh, a conference call. And it's like 13 people. It's, it's parks department. It's uh, maybe a sergeant or somebody from, from, you know, Metro PD. Uh, it'll be somebody from the FBI. And then, a whole bunch of other people that I'm not real sure who they were. And they're all kind of bombarding you with these questions. And they specifically ask you, do you plan to be violent? And I'm, I gotta say, I was, I was really bumfuzzled by that question. If I did plan to be violent, I don't think I would tell the people that I was asking the permit for um, or from that, I, that I planned that. But any which way we had a, a pretty good relationship with them. Uh, they approved our permit uh, for the Lincoln Memorial, we showed up. It was the Jefferson, and, wasn't it? The Lincoln. It was Jefferson. Jefferson, I'm sorry. Uh, it was. We started working on the Lincoln. We we moved over to Jefferson. Or the yes. So we get over there, and of course we have to unload about all of our equipment. You know, the bomb sniffing dogs go over it. Uh, you know, it was it was. We were treated pretty much like terrorists. And then you come into this year, and you see that the DHS pretty much describes everything that the United Patriot Party does as a domestic terrorist group, uh, which is to speak out against the government overreach, to speak out against, uh, you know, government spending, wasteful government spending, uh, to put forward candidates that disagree with the current current, uh, narrative. You know, the DHS, uh, with the help of the FBI, has, has deemed everybody a domestic terrorist. But... With that being said, they also deemed parents who went to school board meetings across the country and said, you can't show my children pornographic uh, material. They deemed those parents to be domestic terrorists as well. So if I'm in, if I'm being uh, compared to and, and lumped in with parents who want to protect their kids, I feel like I'm on the right side of history right there. I feel like that's a good place to be. But the, the, the rallies in a lot of ways. Now for me, they're a lot of fun. Uh, it's always hot. It's always cold. It may be raining. It may be, you know, the sun may be burning down, but I have a good time. I, I, I love it. You know, great. even when I mean, yeah, it was fun. And everybody it's fun, even when you get people disagree. Yeah. yeah. Now when, when they're smaller, they're actually more fun. I, I, I know a lot of people disagree with that. They think, well, if you got, you know, uh, you know, a thousand people or 5,000 people, it's a lot of fun because the energy's there. And it is. I mean, the energy is there. But when it's small and there's, you know, 50 or 100 people, then you actually have this, this interaction that happens. You actually have an interaction that happens with the crowd 
as well as detractors. So you've got somebody standing in the back that says, hey, man, fuck you. Uh, I don't agree with you. Cool. And you can actually have a conversation back and forth with that person. You can't do that when there's a lot of people. But when it's a smaller group, you can. Um, So either which way it goes, you know, whether they're large or they're small, I have fun with them. Um, Now, the one coming up on the 26th, we've got um, three ladies that are running. uh, Adina Softa, Becky uh, Becky Allen and Courtney Gilles. Those three ladies uh, are, they are badasses. They, they, they are really, from just where I met them a couple of months ago, and they were sort of getting their feet wet. They were really sort of getting their, their head around politics to where they are right now is an amazing growth spurt. And it's not that I had anything to do with it. It's they have put the hours and hours and hours in that they have grown and they have learned how to deal with the, you know, the situations that come up. Um, Adina, she's a a first generation, um, um, uh, oh my goodness, immigrant uh, from Romania. She, uh, she's here. Her father's an awesome guy. Uh, she was a business owner. She has, uh, you know, she's educated herself here in the United States. She's adorable. And she's go, watched. The, <laughs> she's oh, she is. Because mm-hmm. those things matter. Looks matter. And she is really cute. <laughs> she is. She's she and and Becky's beautiful. Courtney's beautiful. They, and th- their husbands. All, one of the things about it now, now uh, Adina's not married. Courtney and Becky are. And their husbands. You know, I look at them and, and, and the, the amount of time and effort that, number one, they, they willingly have their wife away from the family. These guys are having to deal with the kids and the home and everything in order for, the, for them to go out. So this is a sacrifice from, this, from these families. The family is making a sacrifice. The, the children are making a sacrifice. The husband is making a sacrifice. The, the one running for office is making a sacrifice. And I never knew that before. That's, you know, as, as I've learned uh, in, in my growth period uh, in and around, uh, you know, the political world, when you see somebody that's really running as a, as a patriot, they are, you know, they're putting their heart and soul into this thing because, the, you know, it's not like they're getting, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a week to deal with this stuff. They're doing this stuff on shoestring budget. Greg. All right. I apologize for getting kicked off the internet. Once again, uh, Ms. Rowland, I, I'm very sorry. So I'm, I'm not sure where I'm picking up, but uh, I was talking about the, the fact that the, the families are really involved in what's going on uh, with these, these grassroots candidates. It's not just the person running. It's the wife. It's the, the husband. It's the, the children, you know, they're, they're losing time away from mom or dad. Um, you know, 
they don't have hundreds of millions of dollars flowing in every week to just do whatever they want. They're running these operations on shoestring budgets. Uh, but at the same time, I believe that that'll be representative of their candidacy uh, and their representation later on in their careers as, as politicians, as representatives, because they, they will appreciate the fact that American people, the American people, the American working people, the taxpayers, um, there aren't bailouts. There aren't handouts. There's, you know, they have to operate their homes on less money than what they make, or they just go broke. So I think it's a good thing uh, that we're, we're watching people come up through the ranks and fighting tooth and nail, not because they, they see a big payout in the end, but because they know that the, our country needs it. And they know that uh, without their hard effort going in, that we're going to lose a lot more than, uh, you know, just another two years, just another four years. A, a good example, uh, Courtney Giles, she is, uh, she came up through the healthcare system and she watched the damage that was done through uh, the vaccine mandates, the mask mandates. She watched what that did to her fellow staff, her, her patients. She watched what damage that caused. And one of her primary goals is to make sure that, you know, a government uh, the American government doesn't run amok again ever in the future and destroy the, you know, the, the, the lives of, of its own citizens. And those are the people that we now need in place because what we've got now is uh, uh, we have a government that literally looks at the citizenry as, as being disposable. Um, and that can't continue. No, no society can continue down that path. While we're talking about the rally, would you want to put out the details and information to our listeners in case they want to attend or they're in the rally area that weekend? Absolutely. If you're in Winston-Salem on the 19th, uh, we will be meeting at the uh, corner of Haynes Mall and Stratford Road. Uh, that is a protest. And I don't know if I got cut off in the middle of that, but there is a difference between we had to differentiate between protest and rally. The rallies are the big, big events where we have the speakers and we invite people to give talks. The protests are the sort of the pop-ups, the, you know, the ones that we, we do that I, I have a great time at those. You know, we, we, a bunch of flag-waving, freedom-loving patriots getting out, being seen, being heard, and being together. Um, but that one, will, that one will be what we would call a protest. The rally on March 26th in Raleigh-Durham, we have some amazing people coming. So not only are those three people coming, but one more name that I'd like to mention will be Sloan Rashmuth. Uh, Sloan has been working um, around the education of children or working to protect children in the education system for a very long time now. Uh, she is an absolute monster. She is an absolute um, defender of parent parental rights. So I am honored to have her along with us as well. Um, but that will be a very, very fun time. We've got uh, more events coming up. If you want to check out the website, uppnc.com, uh, or you can go to the Telegram page, which is United. It's all, all lowercase, all, all one word, United underscore Patriot Party. United underscore Patriot Party. You can find us there on Telegram. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, um, Patriot Party NC. Uh, you can find me on Facebook on very rare occasions because Facebook keeps me uh, uh, kicked off pretty regular. Uh, but we are there with uh, United Patriot Party. That's one word, United Patriot Party of the United States. It is so long because that was the only name available. But find us and, and, and you know, join these rallies. Join up, show up. because. If, if we want to see them grow, if we want to see them get bigger, it literally means getting out and, and doing the work. It means sharing the information on the Internet. Uh, you know, grab that flyer, save it to your phone, save it to your computer, and share it wherever you you've ramble across the Internet. Uh, you know, drop it in groups, drop it in on pages, drop it on your own page, uh, and make these things grow because we're playing a game of patriots and traitors. 
And right now the traders believe that they're winning because the numbers are on their side. And that's just not the case. But at the same time, we keep calling the Patriots side, the sleeping giant. And right now I'm afraid that we've overslept for work. We've, we've slept in a little too late right now. So we better get up, get our clothes on and get busy, get to work. What else you got for me, Miss Miss Rollins? Like, I know you're a busy man. I got two more questions for you. So please tell me what happened with the truck rally. I know you were here and I, um, I'll let you talk about it first before I'll talk about it, but, uh, what happened with the truck rally? Cause I know it's supposed to take over DC and it seems like it did not have the momentum that I, that we maybe had thought it would have. Um, but what are, what were your thoughts on it? What was it like? Okay. <laughs> there was, there was a truck rally that sort of got started last year. It sort of started getting momentum and there was so much infighting and, and disagreement that they could never quite get it in, underway. After watching the phenomenal results of the Canadians, um, our truck, truck drivers stepped up to the plate and they said, okay, we're going we're gonna to move and mobilize. We're going to come together. And the... People's Convoy that left out of California started making its way towards D.C. There were other smaller convoys that were coming up from the south, another one that was coming down from the north, uh, and everybody had the opportunity to join up together. When we got involved, we actually said, okay, let's, let's, let's go for April 2nd. That was a, a date that we threw out. And the reason in that date was was to give everybody time to get their, quote, collective shit together. Everybody started kind of wanting to be first, and they they were saying, "Okay, we'll be in D.C. earlier than that. We're gonna we're gonna be there on March first. Well, then that didn't happen, and then they said, "Well, we'll be there March fifth, and then it was March twelfth, and then it was." Long story short, uh, I got to D.C. expecting to meet with the convoy. I got there on a Friday night expecting to meet up with the convoy that had come into uh, Maryland on Sat on Friday night. Uh, they were supposed to be in D.C. on Saturday morning. They never showed up. So we go to Maryland to find out what exactly is going on, and that's when they had decided, well, we're not going to go to D.C. at all. So they traveled the length of the country and stopped two hours short of their target, of their goal. Uh-huh. Now, this was in order to meet with Ted Cruz uh, and, and some other senators. Now, I'm, I'm going to be a dick. I'm going to be a complete dick at this point. I'm a dick all the time. Well, there. Just be a dick. While while they were appeasing the trucker convoy in Maryland, they were at the exact same time passing a $1.5 trillion uh, um, omnibus spending bill that includes $14 billion going to the Ukraine. Money that we don't have given to, to, to uh, literally the Ukraine, which is predominantly Nazi run. We are literally giving $14 billion to the Nazi party. Now, I'm not saying that the truckers did, did bad. I'm not saying that. And I appreciate those guys and, and, the, and the men and the women that showed up for that were amazing. But the leadership got fooled because they were pushed out and held in Maryland while $1.5 trillion were, was spent in Washington. Uh-huh. And at the same time, wrapped into this, this $1.5 trillion omnibus spending bill is also a, a, another, uh, gun confiscation bill, a gun, a, a, you know, a, a gun, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, gun laws bill. Gun control. So, gun control. We got duped. We got duped. Um, the day on Saturday when I met with some of the leadership, some of the, uh, some of the outskirts of leadership, uh, in Maryland, I realized that they, they have been fooled and that 
they were being stopped short of the goal and they were scared. And I understand the fear because going to jail sucks. Um, but I think m- the majority of the people that met with them there went with the full understanding that, you know, it was DC or bust. Uh, and there was no longer a fear of, of repercussions. I am not willing to go through my life afraid of how my government views me. A free people does not concern itself with what the government thinks of it. In a free society, in a free people, the government has to concern itself with how the the electorate or the people view them. And we have got this so backwards now. We've got it so backwards to the point that we we truly fear um, what we say on the Internet. We fear what we do out in public. We fear where we go now. Uh, Washington, D.C. should be the seat of liberty for the world, not just for the nation, but for the world. And as it stands right now, Washington, D.C. is the greatest wall of fear for freedom-loving, flag-waving people. Something is really off. And until we get past that fear, until we move past that concern of how the government views us, we, we, we're ineffective, we're, we're, we're impotent, we're, we're, we're weak. Now, I don't think I know of anybody that has any, any idea or any inclination towards um, violence. We don't want to tear down barricades. We don't want to tear down walls. But we're sick of not being heard. We're sick of not being seen. We're sick of a, a, of a, a government that spends, you know, $14 billion on the Ukraine while gas is $5 a gallon. Something is really, really wrong with our world today. And the more that I look at it, I believe that the the bulk of the world's problems are stemming from Washington, D.C. There's a reason they don't want people there. If I was doing illegal, sketchy shit, I wouldn't want you looking in, in my window, right? And I believe that that's the same same attitude they have. Well, to go back to the convoy, I was a little disappointed because, as you said, we all heard how successful or, you know, how um, how much power it had in Canada. And then I thought it was going to be in conjunction with the State of the Union. And then that didn't happen. And then it was like that Saturday. And I knew you were here. So I was like, I'm going to go down and I'm going to check it out. And I'm going to see if they're here. And I walked down there and no one was there. And then I called you and you were like kind of giving me some info. And then I read later that someone, one of the... um, one of the guys that was in charge of it was like, well, we didn't want them to get arrested, like the January 6th guys. And we were afraid to put them in, um, you know, in a, in a situation where they would be arrested. And I was like, wow, like you guys came all the way here and needed a couple laps around the Capitol and you didn't even come in. And it was a weekend. So like, I don't think like it would have been stopping like as much traffic as like it, it during a work day. And it was just like, oh my gosh, you guys are scared because of the January 6th thing. But then I thought about it and I was like, Look at the people that have been tortured because of that. Look at the people that just went on trial that got convicted, the people that are still in jail, the wall. I guess they were going to put back up a partial thing around the Capitol, the wall. I did not actually see that occur. Um, but it's like, yeah, it, it's scary because like they should have been able to do that and they and not fear um, retaliation like 6 January. So it was just, it to me, it was kind of a disappointment all around, but I get the fear mongering because that's what they want to do to us. They want to keep people out of DC and they, um, they definitely did. I think that they accomplished that mission. Um, I want to ask you one last question before I let you go. Um, where do you see the Patriot party out? Uh, going um, between now, uh, what do you see you got your, yourself doing and what are you trying to accomplish between now and the 2022 elections? Between now and the 2022 elections, right now, we, we, we're predominantly focusing on North Carolina, though uh, we're working with um, a, one of my favorite people, Jesus Cisneros, Jesus Antonio Cisneros out in California. Um, we've got people down in Atlanta. We've got people uh, in Miami, Florida that we're interviewing them. We're trying to get, help them get their name out, help them get their information out. 
Uh, if and anybody that goes to uh, Patriot Party uh, or the United United Patriot Party on YouTube, I forgot to mention them as well. Uh, United Patriot Party YouTube. We've got some interviews up. Uh, I've got three more to post before we get back into some more interviews, so that you can get to know these people. They're sort of just a get to know the candidate uh, uh, interviews. We want to make sure that we get as many grassroots people into play as possible between now and 2022. There, let, let me, let me, I'm not a strategist by any means, but I'm, it needs to be understood that there will be a red wave, quote unquote, red wave in November of 2022. Not because people are, are sick of the Democrats, not historically, Anytime there's a change in the White House, there's always a change in the Congress the following election cycle. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it goes to, if the White House goes Democrat, two years later, the House goes Republican. It doesn't matter. And that's what's going to happen this time. It went with, and and it happened exactly that way when when Trump got into office. It happened exactly that way, or will happen that exact way with Biden. But we have to understand that just electing somebody with an R by their name doesn't win us any favor with the government. So we want to make sure that we put the right people in place, whether it's here, whether it's in, in, you know, Kansas, whether, you know, uh, Alabama, Oklahoma, it doesn't matter. Don't just vote for these people because they have an R by their name. Don't vote for them because they say I voted for Trump. I voted for Trump. Greg Gibson voted for Trump. That doesn't mean you should vote for me. It I means that you Trump, should. Have, you should <laughs> and, and, and that's great. And we need to know who you are, what you stand for, why you're running, and what you're going to do when you get there. Because if we don't, if we don't, we're just going to continue doing the same thing we've always done. We're going to keep getting the same thing we, we've always got. Now, with that being said, we've we've begun the work of establishing a, for a lack of a better word, a chapter in Florida. Uh, it, my intent is for it to be standalone. I don't want control of it. I don't want, you know, I don't want power over it. I would like, I would ask for some influence in it, but at the same time, we want to make sure that Florida does Florida stuff. North Carolina does North Carolina stuff. Ohio does Ohio stuff because I don't have the same issues going on here in North Carolina that they have in Florida. Florida doesn't have the same things going on in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Yes, we want this year to focus on bringing grassroots candidates to the to the to the uh, forefront, and they're probably going to be running as Republicans. Probably, I don't care if they run as independent or as Democrat, as long as they align with what we're saying and what we're looking for, then. That that no longer matters. So the point being, they'll probably run as Republican, but those are the people we're looking for. Between now and 2024, my goal is to see the United Patriot Party as a recognized ballot um, opportunity so that we run our own candidates, so that when we put somebody forward in any state, that they are running as a Patriot Party candidate. Um, after 2020, there were the, the word Patriot party popped up everywhere on the internet. It was everywhere. Um, that's why we, we changed that name. We, we, we realized that, wait a minute, that this is everywhere. What makes us different? The word United, United Patriot party. So we would love to see by 24 in each state, that we have enough names, enough signatures to be a recognized, balloted party. Then running candidates. Because, and this is why, it's great that we've got people that, that from what I can see, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she, she seems to be a solid conservative. That, that's, that's my best opinion of her. She seems to be solid. But she's one. She is an conservative. She is a singular conservative in all of that mess. Now, she's not the only one. There are a handful of actual conservative candidates. 
actual patriots. There's a whole bunch of Republicans. There's only a few patriots. So we have to back them up now. We have to put people in that will that will vote them onto committees, that will vote behind them when they put forward a bill. We have to get those people to surround them. You know, they now have the experience. They're going to be the senior leadership in the in this patriot movement. But we've got to make sure that we surround them with the right people so that when they have a movement, it actually gets traction and it goes somewhere. Because right now, the Republican Party will shoot down anything that is conservative. They just want to be a little less liberal or a little less socialist than the Democrats so that you have have the illusion of uh, a, a choice. But at the same time, they're all profiting from the same exact corrupt system. We, yeah, we pick on, um, we pick on uh, Nancy Pelosi for her millions made uh, in shady stock deals. We have Republicans that have done the exact same thing. They're all, they literally all, yeah, they literally all use one or one of a handful of investment advisors. So we can't be fooled anymore. We've we've got to we've got to shake ourselves awake and and actually come out from you know. I feel like it's it's like if I can be candid for a second, it's like it's like we have a sleep demon, like a, a, a sleep paralysis demon, right? So we're we're kind of awake. We you sort of have your eyes open. If nobody out there knows what I'm talking about, I'm I'm happy for you. If any of you have ever ever had this uh, what you know this sleep paralysis. Uh, a lot of people, you know, think of it as a demon, you know, laying on your chest and holding you down because you, you'll be awake, you'll be conscious, but you have like total paralysis. I mean, it's like you can't move your body. And it's that's how we feel right now. I feel like we, we, we're, we're in some sort of a like a sleep paralysis. Yeah, we keep saying I'm, I'm awake. I'm awake. How many times have you heard that, Lindsay? I'm awake. You're awake, but you're paralyzed, paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by, by, by financial issues, paralyzed. You're paralyzed in, in one, one capacity or another. Yes, you're awake. You know there's a problem. But until we shake ourselves into motion, we are accomplishing nothing. Now, ultimately, what I would love to see come between now and November I would love to see all 70 million of us show up in D.C. I know the truck drivers are not going to go. But if, if, all, if, if, if 70 million of us showed up and said, enough, you're not sending money to the Ukraine, you're not sending money to China, you're not sending barrels of oil to China. In fact, you're not going to buy any more oil from the Saudis. We'll dig our own. And if 70 million people said, no, enough is enough, I believe that we could make that change. They would have no no other option but to hear and to obey, obey the will of the people. We're at that point where we no longer have a government of, for, and by the people. We have a government that's of, for, and by itself. Uh, there's now, I say this all the time, there are now two classes of people. There's the political class and there is the rest of us. They That's make decisions based on they make decisions based on what's best for them, mm-hmm. and regardless of how it affects you, you know the five dollar a gallon gas. We haven't even begun to see the the, the side effects of that yet. You know, milk's at four dollars a gallon with with two dollar a gallon gas. When gas goes to seven dollars, eight dollars a gallon. You're now going to be looking at a gallon of milk costing eight to twelve dollars. Eggs are four ninety nine in DC right now. Like four ninety nine. What? Four ninety nine for eggs. They should be a, a couple of bucks, maybe a buck, really, but maybe a couple of bucks. And I'm not throwing off on the egg people because their 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 production costs of everybody's cost goes up. Exactly. It's no no one pr- production. Um, you know, sections fall. They have to pay their costs right. too. Mm-hmm. Their employees, their their you know their uh, uh, hauling costs. Everything goes up, and we have not. 
we're all bitching about the, the price of gas today, but in the next month or two, we're going to all be realizing just how bad inflation can actually be. And we're, all right, let's back up just a little bit. And I know, I know you're uh, ready to get rid of me, but never if you back up just now. a little bit, <laughs> if you back up just a little bit, like 80% of the cash that has been printed in all of American history has been, been printed since 2020. There has been a massive influx of cash into the, the United States. It flooded the system. That's why we're seeing inflationary uh, pressures the way we are right now. The money is there, theoretically, and it's, it's just pumping prices up. The problem is that money all got pumped, not to the individuals, not to, not, it didn't go from the bottom up. It went to the, to the top, and it's supposed to trickle down. The Democrats say, oh, trickle-down economics doesn't work. When the Fed gives millions and trillions of dollars, millions, billions, and trillions of dollars to the banks, that's trickle-down economics. No other way to put it. <clears throat> so with that being said, the, the pressures that we're about to see in the next month or two are going to be painful in a way that Americans have never felt before. Um, in fact, I'm scared. I hope. <laughs> yes, I, I am too. I, I'm hoping that I'm wrong, but I think you're going to have to look towards like Venezuela to see the, the inflationary measures that are about to happen to us. Uh, and then you're talking hyperinflation, where a loaf of bread costs a wheelbarrow full of money. Yeah, I think it's going to be really scary. And I think, we're, like you said, I think we're for a very rude awakening. And I don't think Ukraine's going to get any better anytime soon. So I think that's going to continue to no. be an issue. I believe that, you know, what's going on in the Ukraine, we, we don't have time to get into all that. But um, it was it was prepped. It was It was laid out for you know, for us to pick a side years, you know, years ago with while Trump, you know, it was always hate, hate Russia, hate Russia, hate Russia. If you look back through history, every, every decade, we have a war, right? Without fail, we have a war since the 1920s. We, we have a war every, every decade, you know, both world wars, Korea, Vietnam, uh, Afghanistan, Kuwait, Iraq, you know, we've always got a war going on. We lost a good enemy in Russia. When, when, when the wall fell in Berlin, we lost a great enemy. We had this, you know, this hidden monster that we couldn't see. We didn't know him. Uh, just the Russians, the Russians. Kill a commie for mommy. You know, the Russians were out there. They were somewhere. And they were this big, giant, evil entity that was as powerful as the United States. Well, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, and we, we actually started getting some insight into Russia, we realized that the far and away vast majority of these people just wanted to get up, raise their children, and go to work just like we did. So when the wall fell, a lot was exposed, and we lost a good enemy. So we tried to back it up. We tried to make the Taliban our enemy. They're goat herders. They weren't a good enemy. Um, we tried to make enemies out of China. China just won't play along. They won't be a, a good enough enemy. Are they bad guys? Oh, absolutely. But they won't play along to be our, our, our good enemy. So we had to prop Russia right back up as being our, our most formidable, formidable foe. And what, Russia does with Ukraine, I don't personally care. I just know I don't want my money going to fund any, either side of it. I don't want it going to fund communist Russia, and I don't want it going to fund Nazi Ukraine, period. So we have got to understand that these pressures that are coming, they're, they're coming by design. You know, the pressures on the American people, by design. The wars, by design. You can't have a war every 10 years and tell me it wasn't, it wasn't planned. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Well, I'm going to um, wrap this up, but do you have 
Well, I want to thank you for coming on and chatting. And I do um, try to come to all your events. I don't know if I'm going to make the rally one, but did definitely enjoy the, the DC rally. And uh, keep an eye on you online and we'll have all of our um, your information up there so our followers can find you. And just any last minute thoughts before I let you go? Well, guys, check us out. We, we're, we're glad to have you with us. Um, you'll notice I don't talk a lot of bravado talk. I don't beat my chest. Um, you know, I, you, you can go anywhere on the internet and find that this is real world. You know, this is, this is us meeting face to face and you're going to figure out pretty quick that, um, you know, we have to have, we've got to think bigger than we've ever thought before. Um, our enemies plan hundred years, uh, plans. They, they have, um, generational, uh, plans to execute. We're watching the fulfillment of plans today that were planned 100 years ago. There are plans being made now for 100 years from now. You and I work paycheck to paycheck. We think in a weekly weekly rotation. You know, we that's how we think. In some some worlds, we can think annually. Okay, when do I get to go on vacation? You know. So it's paycheck to paycheck. Once a year, I get to go on vacation. And we we don't really have the opportunity to think much bigger than that. We've come to a different time. So it's not just enough to be woke. You can't just be awake. You This is a great awakening. And we have to start thinking bigger than we've ever thought before. We have to start looking at what do we want this country to look like 20 years from now, because I'm going to leave this country. Uh, They're going to lay me in a grave somewhere and my name will never be remembered. But the fruits of my efforts, the, the, the fruit of my labor now will be enjoyed by my, my children and their children and their children. We have to think bigger than, than week to week. We've got to start thinking uh, about our great-great-grandchildren. I believe that that's how our founding fathers looked at the nation. I believe that that's how generations throughout history have looked at the nation. And I believe we, that history has met us once again here at this moment and expects us, requires of us, a bigger heart and a bigger mind and a bigger vision than the generations before us. So we look forward to meeting you guys. We look forward to standing with you, standing strong, And again, I'm looking forward to that day that we realize that not just a a truck convoy, but the entirety of the Patriot Nation is headed across the country and headed right straight towards D.C. Not again, again, not for violent purposes, but to be heard, to be seen, and to to for one time in, in, in 100 years demand results from our elected officials. That's all I got to say about that. Well, all right. Well said. Very well said. All right, Greg, I want to thank you again for being with us today. And we'll see you next time. One last, one last thing. One last thing. I, I leave, I leave everybody with this. I want you to take this. I want you to make it your own. I want you to hold on to it, hold it near and dear. I am the vision of my fathers and I am the strength in the moment. I am the hope of the future. I am the patriot. Lindsay, you are the patriot. Your listeners, you are the patriot. Let's get the work done, guys. I love every one of y'all. Thank you very much for having me, Lindsay. All right, great. Thank you, Greg. Bye.